Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for Self Made as a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their story of the journeys to building their business. And because we know that achieving success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we are taking time to recognize the folks who helped us to excel. I'm excited to have a fellow business owner and a friend uh, from Indiana with us today. My guest has listened to this. He surpassed 10,000 hours of speaking and facilitating uh, other people. And uh, this comes from the book, The Tipping Point. So if you haven't uh, read that, definitely want to put that on your list. In his downtime, he enjoys listening to and playing music. And he's a proud, he is most proud of keeping his business going during all the craziness that we've all experienced over the last couple of years. And listen to this, having his best year ever. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Jason, to the show today. Hello, Jason. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us your personal story, where you were born and live and your family and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, the quick the quick version is I am a, a, a born and bred Hoosier. Uh, so I was born in Bloomington, Indiana. I didn't stay for very long. I uh, wound up going back there for college. Spent most of my time in Indianapolis, grew up in the same house from the time I was in kindergarten until I was, until I graduated from college. Uh, did a short stint as a, I'll put this in quotes, as a professional ski bum in Colorado for two <laughs> years after college. For those of you who've never heard that term before, that just means that I worked really hard to ski as much as I possibly could. Uh, that's why professional is in uh, air quotes. Um, still really not knowing what I wanted to be or do when I grew up, uh, found myself overseas on a short-term mission trip where I fell in love with one of our translators, international language of love. She was studying to be an English teacher and we met, I moved to Poland 11 months later, we were married almost one year to the date that we met. Wow. Yeah. And this is. I'm going to, I'm going to date myself here. This was pre like everybody having internet and definitely pre, uh, smartphones. So, so (laughs) this will really date me. And some people listening may not even know what the heck I'm talking about, but we sent, uh, cassette tapes back and forth to each other that we talked on. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot cheaper than talking on the phone. And, uh, yeah, I had a I had a five hundred and fifty dollar long distance phone bill one month, and I realized I could have literally gone and visited her in person <laughs> for about the same amount of money. Uh, we have three children. Uh, the oldest is twenty three, the middle is eighteen, and the youngest is fourteen. Two boys and a girl. The two boys were both born in Poland. The daughter was born here in the states, and. Um, yeah, it keeps us hopping. And my wife, you know, during the pan, well, just before the pandemic, uh, we had stopped homeschooling our, our two that were home. And so we're like, Hey, they're going to be gone. This is great. Um, she's like, yeah, I'll go back to school. So she's in a master's program to become a certified mental health counselor, and, oh, wow. which is amazing. Cause she's, I mean, she has definitely found her calling, found her ember, found her fire for sure. Um, but what happened was, um, everybody came home because that's when COVID happened. So suddenly, uh, instead of her just being at home, you know, with no distractions and just focusing on school, I was home with my business in these four walls 
uh, here in my studio and office. And we had, uh, it was, it was, as many people can relate to, it was just not optimal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, and we will, uh, it is May officially, we will celebrate, uh, 25 years of marriage this, uh, this month, the end of this month. So congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Tell us a little bit more about the music. I've had the benefit of uh, seeing some of your, your, your skits and stuff you put on social. Yeah. Uh, have always loved music. I was a saxophone player in middle school and, and high school. Um, I wish somebody could have showed me like the sax player from Dave Matthews band or somebody like that. I probably would have still been playing. Um, <laughs> cause that's, I just think those guys are really cool. Um, but I just, I love music. I love finding a way to express yourself. And I think about how I think about what I do and, and taking my skills and my abilities and putting those out there in the world and inspiring people and, what would happen if I didn't do that? Like I got a message today on LinkedIn and a lady said she had shared a post that I put. And I said, I said, thank you. I commented on it. And she said, thank you for being so inspirational. And I just thought like, Oh, wow. If I wouldn't have done that, maybe she would have found it somewhere else, but maybe she wouldn't have. And I just think about how many of my memories are tied to a particular song Hmm. or um, a genre of songs or a concert. Um, I think that's why, and, and music is just so unbelievably powerful. And, uh, so I've, I've, uh, (laughs) I, I was not a great undergrad student at IU. Um, one of the classes I did take was a, a very basic guitar class that just taught me some, some just everyday chords. And, uh, that's kind of where it started. So I've, I've led music off and on in, in small and big churches and uh, in the States and in Poland, but I really like to just pull it out and like, I like that song. And um, I think it was, I know you, you too has sung about this, but all I, I think it was Dylan originally said, all I need is a, the red guitar, three chords and the truth. And uh, if you can throw in a minor chord, so maybe four chords, you can pretty <laughs> much play any song that's ever been written, especially anything that's on the pop, uh, <laughs> pop radio. Yeah. But I just, I love it. Uh, I like to write music. I like to, um, I didn't believe, uh, I didn't really know. And then also didn't believe my friends who told me that they thought I had a good voice until I was uh, well into college. And I was living next to a guy who was a voice major. He was a bass, uh, bass major, and he walked around with a, a scarf on even in the winter in the summertime to keep his vocal cords warm. Oh wow! And I said, "Hey, I've been told that I have a good voice. Can you help me figure out if that's true?" So we took a cassette player to the school of music into one of the little rehearsal rooms, and I sang my one of my favorite U two songs that has it goes from low to high range and he was like yep you can sing and i was like okay cool and that was kind of off and running from there so awesome (laughs) yeah so jason is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share today yeah so funny i mean they laugh about it i can laugh about (laughs) i can laugh about it now so you can't tell now but when i was when i was younger i had a very full very big red afro of hair um and it was very red and this is at the time that happy days is on television so Mm. ralph mouth and richie cunningham and opie (laughs) taylor 
Bozo the Clown, who had a very red wig, was also like a kid's show that was on TV and tons of freckles. And I had a bit of a, te- I kind of, I, I, I was told as a kid that redheads should have a temper. So I kind of, I kind of use that, I think, as an excuse, <laughs> but I hold the record for the only grandchild. And there were, there are nine of us um, that were around my family growing up. Uh, I am the only grandchild that my grandfather ever spanked. Um, and that is because I threw a fit in a store and I still remember it to this day. I remember my grandfather was a man like many men in those days, a, a very few words and the words he said he meant. And, uh, I asked for something in the store and he said, no. And that was supposed to be the end of the discussion. And I, to me, that was the beginning of the discussion. So I threw an absolute fit. I threw myself on the ground and just started screaming and kicking. I think I was like, I don't know, four or five. And I'm, I'm just throwing a holy fit to the point that people were coming to the, to the aisle because they're, you know, it was loud enough that it was causing a a bit of a ruckus. He looked down, still very calm. And he said, get up. And, uh, I took that opportunity to not listen and to double down on the fit thinking that would really help me get my way. And this will tell you how much times have changed. He picked me up and pulled down my pants and my underwear and spanked my bare butt in this, (laughs) in this store. And I, I tell you what, I, I was so shocked that he did that, that I quit, quit screaming immediately. And here's how different the times were when we, I think he dropped whatever he had and just took me out to the car. Um, but there was a lady standing at the end of the aisle and her comment was good for you. Way to show that brat who's boss. And I just, I remember even at five, I was, I was offended. I was like, how, like you're supposed, I'm a kid, but, uh, yeah, the only card carrying member of the only grandchild that my grandfather ever spanked. So nice. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Claim to fame. Jason, tell us about how the business came to be and at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business uh, so the business came through you know even when i even when i was a ski bum in colorado my dad was growing up my whole life my dad was owned his own business um he owned a construction company he did custom remodeling he was very creative and he was very good at what he did and um i think i was born with that entrepreneurial bug i'm all, my mind is always going, somebody should do something about that. That's a business idea, you know? So it was just always there. And I don't remember him specifically, you know, like grooming me for any of that or talking about that as when I was a kid, it just, I, it's just something I think I inherited from him. And so I used to carry around a, either a manila folder or a wire bound notebook. Um, sometimes the, f- the notebook had been shoved in the manila folder or vice versa. And I would put things in there uh, if I found an article that I liked, or if I had a good customer service experience, I would jot down like what I liked about it. Or if I had a bad customer experience, I would write down those things. Or if I had an idea for a business and I carried them around with the, uh, with the initials MOB on there, which stood for my own business. So I always knew that someday something, whether it would be a side hustle or I just always knew that because I was a kid too, like I, I was a 
a newspaper delivery boy when I was 10. So like I was always like we would sell, we would go pick up aluminum cans. We were always looking for ways to make money. And so, you know, I think part of it came from that. And so I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. I really enjoy speaking. I really enjoy being in front of people. I love facilitating. Um, And so I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, if I could marry those things together, but I had no idea where to start. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to give a shout out to Jennifer Robbins, uh, who is a, a, a consultant here in Indianapolis who helps probably many people that you and I know, um, collectively has helped them. She at one time, I think was Brendan Burchard's COO. Um, and she went off and started her own business, basically helping people like us figure out a framework for their business. Hmm. And so I came to her and I said, Hey, I, I have this, I, I have some ideas and I had been told about her and I had actually been told by a really good friend. She said, you're not ready to meet Jenny yet, but when you are, it's going to be really great. And I was like, okay, I don't even really know what you're talking about, but sure. <laughs> and so I met with Jenny and I had gone through and looked at the MOB cause I still had it, you know, um, looked at all the things, threw some things away and kind of narrowed it down and gave that to her. Um, not really to look at, but just like went through it with her and said, here's, you know, here's what I think, but I have no idea how this could be a business. And so I hired her, uh, I paid for it on a credit card cause I didn't have the money, but I'm like, I'm going in. I think this is a good deal. And I really think she can help me. And, uh, we had three meetings and after the, I think after the, at the end of the second meeting, we had a framework, which is still really the framework that I use today, which is, uh, find your, find your fire, fan your flame and tend your tribe. It's actually on the back of this t-shirt that I'm wearing. I think that's on this one. Um, <laughs> And so we, you know, I started collecting my lifetime of stories and experiences. And I had been a Franklin Covey facilitator. I had done customer service training. I'd done all kinds of training. And uh, at that time, I was also writing a book. So there was, you know, there was decision to finish the book. Took me longer than I would have liked to. And uh, the, the question about when did I get the courage? So that's kind of interesting. I would love to tell you, like, you know, I finally got up one day and I'm like, this is the day I'm going to like, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, a, a Jerry Maguire moment, you know, like you, you just muster up the courage to make this big stand. And honestly, uh, the courage came from my job being eliminated uh, that I was in for uh, almost 10 years uh, it was like nine years and 10 months. I knew that it was coming. Um, I could see the writing on the wall, had a very candid conversation with my boss when I knew that that was coming. Um, that's when I hired Jenny and we started doing this cause I knew it was coming and I got a, a severance package for six months and it's like, all right, we'll just treat this as a small business grant that I don't have to pay back. <laughs> and, uh, let's, let's go for it. And that will be, uh, next week will be four years that I've been full-time, which is kind of amazing. Congratulations. I can't believe it. Thank you. Well, Jason, tell us a little bit more about Firestarters. What do you guys do? How do you help people and, and yeah. how people find out and you'll get in touch with you? Um, so 
it took me a while to really name the product because when you're in training and development, I think the products can be a lot of different things. You know, you can do sales training, you can do customer service training, you can do, um, you know, uh, personal coaching type stuff. What I really say is that my product is what I refer to as actionable inspiration. So I think many of us, uh, probably people listening, I'm sure you have, I know I have, have gone to conferences and you write down some things and you're like, man, this is so good. And it's, you know, you're going to take all these action steps and you're going to do all these things. And uh, you write it down and you find that notebook six months later and you go, <laughs> I have no idea what these things even mean that I wrote down. I'm sure they were important at the time, but clearly I've done nothing with them. And I don't even remember why I wrote them down. So my goal, um, and I think, you know, the goal really is the actionable inspiration piece, and it comes in a couple of different ways. So if I am working with a group and I come and speak as the keynote speaker, we will, I call it an interactive keynote. So we will do things during the keynote where I will maybe even tell you, like, take a minute or two to have a think or share with somebody next to you. Um, always in my keynotes with what's one thing that you're going to do as a result of the time that we've had together and tell somebody who's next to you, text somebody that if you don't know the people at your table or that you're sitting around, but make sure that you have someone around you who can hold you accountable because uh, the statistics are very clear in that situation when you tell somebody that you're, well, when you write it down and tell somebody, and then even more, if we ask them, to hold us accountable. I like the, to use the word support. I think accountability has kind of gotten a bad rap. Like it's more like I'm going to smack you if you get out of line. So <laughs> find somebody who's going to support you. So in a keynote situation, it's actionable inspiration. <clears throat> I wrote my first book. It's called igniting the fire starter within. It's really about like, do you know, one of the questions I ask in, um, in keynotes is, do you know what sets your heart on fire? And I'm amazed at how many people don't know. I'm also amazed at how many people know, but are are intentionally not doing that thing because it either scares them or they don't see it as a possibility. Mm. We have a very dualistic mindset, I think, in this country. It either has to be full time or nothing, you know, or I got to go do all of this and leave all of this. And um, my thing is, like, well, what if you just took one step in the direction of that thing, right? Like, could you join a board of a nonprofit and maybe do some of that? Like they don't have to pay you, right? Can can you maybe do some side consulting for a friend that something that you really love to do um, and just taking one step in that direction? Yeah. So that's another piece. And then as a follow-up to the book, which I wasn't expecting, many people said, great, I read your book. I'm, a, I'm, I'm inspired. I want to change my life, but I don't know what to do. So what do I do? And my master's degree is in curriculum design. So I wrote a book called 30 Days to Blaze, and it's really actionable inspiration one day at a time for 30 days. So I take teams through that. So it really was great to do during COVID. I did it with several teams during COVID because you can only do online bingo and online happy hour and online <laughs> whatever it is for so long. And this is a combination of personal and professional development. So you learn some things about the people that you're in the group with. You learn some things about yourself. They learn some things about you. Um, but it's my question to the group is always, okay, you just learned that this is a limiting belief that you have. How can you take that back to the organization where you work and be a better version of you? What is something that you need to do? Again, the actionable inspiration piece. And then the other one, which I 
did a lot more of during COVID just because um, gigs, just people were canceling them. They, you know, weren't comfortable doing them online or whatever, is I do a lot of one-on-one personal coaching. And I, I love the up close and personal seat that you get to people's development. And um, I've always said I've been in adult education for 25 years. And to me, one of the biggest highs of that um, profession is being a part of somebody's aha moment. Yeah. So when you, you know, I know you've seen that as you coach people, but when they're, when they're, when the, when you see the flash in their eyes and they like, you know, it's literally that it's a, and they, and, and then like, I love that because I know what's coming. Cause I've seen it so many times and it makes <laughs> me kind of emotional thinking about it, but it's just, you know, people, are, and then they're like, Oh my gosh. And all that, like, I didn't know, or I didn't understand, or now I see, and, Oh, that's, it's just this, it's, it's like the, the curtain has parted and there's just this, you know, this whole new world that's there that they didn't know that was there. And, uh, to be able to be close enough to someone, because a lot of times it is literally face-to-face or sitting next to somebody talking about something. Um, and to be a part of that, uh, I mean, I joke that if, if, that that is my drug of choice like that <laughs> that feeling and if i could find a way to put that in some sort of a smoothie as like you know protein powder or something man i would drink that every single day cuz it's just it's it's an amazing feeling yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that yeah we um we we call that moment the blinding flashes of the obvious yes yeah where right it's it's not usually rocket science right we nope. didn't teach them something brand new like nope. help them connect two dots right that's yeah yeah and that's i think that's what's the most fun too is that you're pulling something out of them that they already knew they just didn't realize that they knew it and that's even more fun yes. and and they're more excited to do it because they realize i mean if i think anyway if you're doing it right it should be their idea anyway Right. And so if it's their idea, you're just, you just helped them get there. And that's, it's a privilege. And I, I don't, I, I, I know a few other honors and privileges in this world than being able to walk with somebody down that road to do that. Yeah. So Jason, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and the impact that person had on you. Yeah. Uh, that's an easy one. And I, I've told this story many times, but the person that came right to mind when I thought about that question is my friend, Brian Neal from blind zebra consulting. Um, if you're from around Indy and listening to this, you probably know, Brian, he does sales coaching. He's been doing sales coaching for multiple years. He's also an NFL referee. And this year he got his, he, uh, fulfilled a goal that he's had since he was 19 of, uh, refereeing in the Super Bowl, which is pretty amazing but we had lunch oh gosh probably eight nine years ago something like that I didn't really know what he was doing I mean I'd heard the word consultant and I I didn't really know what that meant (laughs) and so we had lunch and I said what do you what do you do and he's telling me what he does I was like wow that sounds really fun and sounds really cool and I love the concept that you have and all this stuff and he goes, well, you could do that. And, you know, it was one of those like, 
Like, are you talking? To, <laughs> you're talking to me. You're talking to me. And he's like, he's like, dude. And he's known me since college. And he said, I've known you since college. He's like, you are one of the most authentic leaders that I've ever known. And he said, here's what I want you to know. And I'm telling you right now, Tim, I did not believe him when he told me this. He said, all that stuff that you do, all that stuff that has made you who you are today, 75% of the world doesn't know that. And I completely, I, I vehemently disagreed with him. I said, there's no way that 75% of the world doesn't know that. Like, it's like what we just said, like, it's not rocket science, right? It's just, there's no way. And he said, and the other 25% that does know still needs to be reminded. So either way you have a willing audience. Well, I set out to set to prove him wrong over the next year. And I actually found out that it's not 75%. It's like 90%. <laughs> and I was just, I was blown away. And I'm, I'm continuing, I've been doing this, you know, I've, I've spoken in front of people for, for decades and I've, sh I share some of the things with my audiences that I shared with my students when I was a university professor in Poland. It's just, it's still the same thing. And there are times when I'm giving a keynote and, and I will almost like, ah, it's so obvious. Should I even share that? And I'll share it. And inevitably I will have at least two, if not five people come up afterwards and say, oh, that thing you said, oh, that was so good. And I'm like, that thing, that thing that literally I've been saying for 25 years, like that, like, what about this nugget that I spent like the last two months crafting and like, nobody says anything about that thing. It's the thing. And I'm like, and every time it happens, I just, I kind of, you know, I look up at this. I'm like, yep, Brian, you were right. Um, and, and he told me, he said, you should be doing this. And, uh, I will tell you that what I struggled with the most not as much anymore, still from time to time, but definitely at the beginning was, I don't have anything to say. And even if I did, nobody would want to listen. And uh, when I got out of my own way and realized that I was being hired to do keynotes and there were people sitting in an audience waiting for me to speak, <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's actually not true that people don't want to hear what I have to say. They're actually sitting here waiting to hear what I have to say. And they're paying me for that, by the way, which right. is, and so I, I go back to that all the time and I'm just, uh, I, I'm amazed that, uh, you know, the, the thing that you think is not the thing is, is almost always the thing. And, and sometimes we forget because it is so obvious to us. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, I have to remind myself sometimes that like, you know, if you're looking at a journey, you know, like a roadmap, like I'm down here on the road, but some people are back here. And, and when I was there, that thing made a lot of sense to me. Yes. And uh, so I have to just those things, right? You it's can't. So, it's so natural or you feel like, well, my goodness, everybody knows this. So I'm just going to skip to the new stuff. Right. Can't. <laughs> no, every, and, and what I find is when I do skip to the new stuff, everybody's still, they're like back. They're like, wait, how did we get here? And I'm like, oh, well, you have to do this. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's the there's the stuff that I almost didn't mention or yeah. didn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Jason, what's your biggest learning as a business owner? Oh, it's hard. <laughs> it, it's just, you know, I, I think I think the world has made, you know, 
insert the the big names that come to mind. Um, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the the Elon Musks, the her name's escaping me right now, but the lady who started Spanx. Mm-hmm. You know, you um, you see some of these people who, you know, have this what looks like a really lavish lifestyle, right? And sure, they can afford to do some amazing things, but um, it never it never ends. <laughs> you know, when you, when you when you get a paycheck from somewhere, um, you leave that place and you go home, and for the most part, you can probably like it doesn't matter if you don't open your email until tomorrow or, you know, three days from now, it just, and as a business owner, you know, especially as fanatical as I am about branding, like it's, it's my brand. Like this is almost more than your baby, right? Like this is, this is my thing. And, uh, trusting that to other people is really hard. Um, Opening yourself to critique, which I think you should, but that's hard. Um, The fact that it just never stops um, figuring out what work-life balance looks like during COVID. Like I worked in this, in this room, I've got those office doors behind me and I started a thing like my commute was I would, and I would turn off that little firelight that's over my shoulder I would close these doors and I would take my dog for a walk. That was my commute. And, (laughs) and I did not come back in here. That's not because there weren't things to do. (laughs) There's my, I never get to the end of my to-do list. (laughs) Right. I just never, I, because there's always content. There's like, there's another video you could do. There's another sales call you could make. There's another follow-up. There's a a personal note you could send. There's a whatever. Um, It just, it, it never ends. at the same time, it's probably one of the top two or three most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you talked about it being a baby. I, I hear that a lot. And, and usually why that happens, right, is the first two or three years are really, really, really hard, right? And, and you put in the hustle and grind and the, the sweat equity and, and yeah. those who figure it out, figure it out. And, right? and you start to have the successes. And now it's like, and it, it does feel like a baby because you've, you've birthed your business, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the biggest challenge that I face with, with my clients is, is what you said is letting go, right? Of, you know, the, the book, what got us here won't get us there, right? Is, yeah is the idea of, well, now I've got, I do have to let go, right? I have to delegate some stuff, yeah. outsource some stuff because I can't do everything, but I got to this yeah. success because I did do everything, right? And so it's hard to let yeah. go. Yeah, and, and just, and trusting that, you know, I'm, I don't think you'll ever find somebody who's going to work as hard as you no. um, and learning to be okay with that. If, if you really want it to grow, because you, I mean, eventually it's going to outgrow you in some space or multiple places. And if you really want it to grow, which I think we do like, right. I I'd rather be working, um, and have other people doing things that I'm not good at, but you have, you have to be willing to know that they're not going to do it exactly the way that you did. And that's okay. And I think I would imagine you run into a lot of people who are not okay with that. And that's, 
you got to pry it out of their fingers. Yeah. And, and one of the things I, the, the joke that I asked them is, okay, so how long have you been doing this? And, you know, it's not uncommon to 20, 30, some odd years. So you've got 30 years of expertise in your head. How long was your onboarding? Uh, two weeks of shadowing. So you expect them to be able to do 30 years of expertise in, in two weeks. So, right. Right. Let's, let's put some, let's document some of that stuff and get it right. Get right. a, a how-to video or something that they can go back to when they forget, because they're not going to remember everything you told them in that right. two week period. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned capacity, like the, the, the aha, the, the, you know, that BFO moment, blinding mm -hmm. flash to the obvious moment is, is when we all realize that the, the company can only grow to the capacity of, of the people that are in it. So if you're yeah. a solopreneur, right, you only have a certain number of week, hours in a day that you can work. And that's as big as the company can ever get. Yeah. Unless you bring on people to allow, you know, other more capacity in the business. Right. So Jason, we know that success doesn't happen in isolation. So what's one of the biggest challenges you faced during the, your time as an owner and who's somebody who came alongside of you to help you get through that? I would imagine that this answer is probably in this time, a similar answer to other people. And that's definitely COVID. Um, I mean, Friday, March 13th will live in infamy for me forever <laughs> as a business owner, because literally that's the day the world shut down. I was supposed to sign the largest contract that I had ever would have ever signed up into that moment on that Friday. We had a call. We'd already gone back and forth with the contract and made, I mean, it was literally a formality. And that week, all the dominoes started falling and they canceled the final four and some other stuff. And I was like, oh man, this is bad. Yeah. And I'm like, well, at least I have this, this gig, right? And I got an email on a Thursday afternoon that said, hey, Jason, you know, this is impacting us in a major way. We're, we're like immediately like stopping the bleeding anywhere that we possibly can and uh like canceled the call i didn't even get a chance to like could we do this or could we do that um so definitely that was just i mean i <laughs> i don't i don't think anybody could have prepared for that i don't think anybody could have no. you know, i don't i don't think that was in anybody's you know scenarios for business continuity <laughs> you know and there's a it probably is now yeah <laughs> uh it's probably a standard now uh it wasn't at the time but definitely getting through that you know dealing with that and and i will say for me like just learning to pivot like learning to i bought this microphone and um i basically set up a home studio here and um, started, I, I can't tell you how many people, and I heard somebody, I was on a webinar with 10 speakers, literally from all over the world, I think on like March 18th, that next week. And of the 10 speakers, only two people had professional microphones. And it was so obvious hmm. the difference I got, this was the last microphone like this in the city of Indianapolis. Amazon had already sold out. I drove up to Noblesville, which is like an hour from me and got it from Best Buy. Um, and just pivot, like, yeah. keep like, well, that didn't work. Let's we'll see if this works. 
let's see if this were. And I think that there are an awful lot of people who are, who either ran out, ran out of ideas or ran out of energy or both. Yeah. And I've been blessed with a stupid amount of energy and a ridiculous amount of ideas. And so, uh, <laughs> one of my friends has a mug that says optimistic to the point of stupidity. <laughs> that's, that's me. And I just, just keep going. So Jason, if I asked you to pick three people that have been a key part of your mm. business success, who are those three and how'd they help you? I think first in all of that would be Brandon Wilson, who is uh, a fellow coach and peer um, of mine. We have um, every Thursday at 830 um, for, I'm pretty sure it's been over two years now. Uh, we just check in with each other, you know, how you doing? And there were some weeks <laughs> that we were, we, it, it was almost a contest of who was doing worse. Like who could complain, <laughs> like who, uh, we did make, we did sort of make a pact with each other to not, you know, leave ourselves in that space. So he was, he's definitely one of them. Um, secondly would be, um, my good friend, Dwayne, who uh, works at IU Health. And at the very beginning of this, we had, uh, he's a, he's a VP and he's a, he's just an amazing leader, but he brought me in. Uh, he gave me some of the first paid gigs that I ever had. And um, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like the, sh the shot in the arm of getting a check <laughs> Uh, doing something that you're not a hundred percent convinced that you can do, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like you believe that you can, and you, and you have great high hopes that it will work out the way that it does, but, <laughs> but like to get the feedback and that led to, um, that led to several other gigs. Um, and I would say, you know, next would really be, um, <sighs> And she probably should have been first, but, but would be my wife because through all of this, I mean, we've had these, these four years, oh my gosh, have just been tumultuous years on several different levels with kids leaving and sickness and the pandemic and going back to grad school and just all kinds of things. And uh, she has always, especially when I don't believe in myself, mm -hmm. she has always said like, I believe in you. And that, that includes last summer when it was so bad that I was working at the target warehouse every weekend through the summer. And she's like, look, this is temporary. I know it sucks. We'll get through it. Um, and it's amazing what words like that from people that matter can do. I'll use some fire analogy, like the fuel that that can pour on your fire and how long that will burn. Um, there's, there's no substitute for that. That's awesome. So Jason, just wrapping up here, if there was something catastrophic that happened in the business, um, who's the first person you call and what would you need and want from them? I would say the first person I would call is my friend, Kent Huber. I mean, first and foremost, I would call my wife because she would need to know that. Um, but from a business perspective would be my friend, Kent Huber. He is a business owner himself. He's uh built and sold businesses. He's worked in businesses. Uh, he's hustled for a ridiculous amount of time. 
and uh, he has great perspective. He's, you know, there's something to be said, I think, for people who have gone before you and again, like walked through the fire, right? That, that you're walking through currently, because when you're walking through the fire, all you can see is that it's burning you and it hurts. You can't really see what's, what comes out of that on the other side. Mm. And he's, he's just an incredibly, he just has, he's got a calming force about him and a very, but also a very practical, like he would be able to talk me off the ledge and then help me figure out how to step back from the ledge as well. So like <laughs> talk you off, but then also like, okay, now we got to go, you know, to, you know, to use what's behind you. What's the action we need to take? Like, what do we need to go do? And he would be the person that would help me do that. So cool. Yeah. So Jason, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people that have helped you along the journey. Yes. We had them all on the show here today. What would you want to say to them? Mm. Ooh. Ah, that hits me. I think they know this, um, but I would want them to hear um, that there's no way I could have done this without them. And uh, <laughs> because I am an optimist to the point of stupidity, they have helped me see some things that um, I was not able to see. And there's, there's no greater gift. There's no greater gift than people who believe in you can, can pour fuel on your fire, but that can also be honest enough to say, I'm not sure, like, you need to think about that. Because um, there are a lot of people who will tell you you're dumb. <laughs> um, you know, for doing whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> These people have the relationship and the trust and the respect that I'm willing to listen and they're willing to share. And that's, that's gold, man. That's gold. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Jason, I love your authenticity. Um, I, I love that you lead with your heart. Uh, mm. it's, it's just so refreshing. So thank you for for being real with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Jason. And thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and posting it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and we'll see you all next time. Take care.